Hey, Casey, do you like Harry Potter? I love Harry Potter, Bo. I love Harry Potter as well, but do you know what I kind of miss about it? What's that? The joy and excitement of reading through the series for the first time. True, there's nothing like that first experience. Introducing A Muggle's Perspective. This podcast follows Brayden, a muggle, who somehow made it 24 years into life without reading a Harry Potter book or seeing a Harry Potter movie, on his journey through the books for the first time. Hosted by Harry Potter expert, Rogie, who helps guide Brayden through the books, pointing out important details and creating an in-depth experience for the listeners. Whether you're a Harry Potter veteran or someone who has never found the time to read through the series, experience all of the feelings of reading the Harry Potter series for the first time through Brayden's eyes and pick up some special extra information from Rogie's hours of dedication to the series. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. To another episode of Sports Shenanigans with Mullet in Houston. We've got Casey Houston right there on my screen. <laughs> and I'm Bo Mullet. We're back on Skype. And let's get right into it. Last week we had Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, and Michael Thomas. So we have an update on each case. We'll start with Michael Thomas because that one's the easiest. The Saints made Michael Thomas. The highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL, five years, $100 million, $61 million of that is guaranteed. What did you make of this, Casey? I mean, we knew it was going to happen because he's such a big part of their team. Yeah, really, we knew this was going to happen. It wasn't going to last very long. I mean, we knew they were going to sign him, but did you expect to make the, him to be the highest-paid wide receiver? I didn't necessarily expect that, but I mean... You can argue, like, four guys to be the most, like, should be paid the most money. So, like, he's in conversation. Yeah. So it's not, like, ridiculous that he would be making that kind of money. No. I was surprised, yes. But then I was like, well, he is Michael Thomas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I figured they would pay him. I figured it wouldn't last long. Yep. Uh, The next one has a little drama going on in it. Well, the next two really do, but... We'll start with this one. Melvin Gordon. It came out that Melvin Gordon, so the Chargers offered the, him $10 million a year, and he demanded a trade. However, the Chargers have refused to honor that, will not trade him. And I heard earlier today some things about Melvin Gordon that I'm starting to come around to the Chargers' side on, on not paying him the 15 or 16 which i mean 10 isn't bad i think melvin was looking more for like the 15 16 up there with Le'Veon and mm-hmm. ezekiel elliott but gordon typically gets hurt he only has one a thousand yard rushing season which i did not realize i did not either but that's probably in part due because he missed some games due to injury mm-hmm. Most definitely. Um, and he also is a receiving threat more than um, some of the other backs and most of the other backs in the league. And so he usually makes up for, like, last year I think he had 
1,400 total yards between rushing and receiving. The Charger, We talked about this last week. The Chargers went 4-0 without him last year. We talked about what teams did they beat. Well, they beat uh, teams like Pittsburgh and Kansas City, who were two of the tougher teams in the AFC for the Chargers to have to face, and they beat them without Melvin Gordon. So those are some some of the Chargers' reasonings of why they're only offering $10 million a year. With Gordon's injury history, I might take $10 million a year. <laughs> Uh, instead of trying to wait it out and then getting hurt and not even getting $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. So what do you make of this whole drama fest, Casey, that is going on with Melvin Gordon and the Chargers? Um, so, I, I mean, I understand why he's holding out because, I mean, he's not making very much money at all. In NFL terms. In NFL terms. <laughs> I, I would take his contract today. Yes. You said that he was looking for like $15, million. Um, from what I've heard, just like looking things up about what's going on, is there like 2 to $3 million, like difference? So I'm, like, I'm assuming that Melvin wants like $13 million, is like his thirteen twelve. Yeah. This is what he wants. But... Yeah, the Chargers just they're they're pretty confident in the ten, and because they feel pretty confident without Melvin Gordon, mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna <laughs> budge I on think, that. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna budge, and I think that Melvin doesn't hold out like Le'Veon did last year. But I think that where they did go four and zero without him. That's kind of it's it's a small sample size, whereas like they've done with him, and like they don't have a feature back behind Melvin. They don't have someone they can go turn to and go, oh, he will hold down the fort. It's we're gonna turn to Austin Ecker, who can kind of run it and is mostly receiving, and then at Justin Jackson, where he is the power back, and they also scored during those like four games. They between the two and they scored five touchdowns. So the Chargers. They would like to have Melvin Gordon. They would rather have Melvin Gordon, but, but I mean, I, they're not willing to shell out the extra two, three million a year to have him on the team. Yeah. Do you think that gets resolved in the next week, two weeks? Um, the training. Camp? I honestly, I think Melvin will hold out for a couple games. I don't know how many games exactly, but I do think it will go into the season. So he might just try and hold out and see how the Chargers do without him. Yeah, exactly. Because if they look like they're struggling, then maybe he gets the 12 or 13 to come back. Mm -hmm. But if they don't... (laughs) I mean... (laughs) It's a risk. It is. It very much is. The next one is Ezekiel Elliott, and and there's been a lot of talk around Ezekiel Elliott this week, starting with owner Jerry Jones saying, you don't need a a league-leading rusher to win a Super Bowl. So kind of kind of saying that Cowboys don't really need Zeke. Now, Ezekiel Elliott is a little different than Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Because the entire Cowboys offense is run through Ezekiel Elliott. He's um, two backs where they do that. Who's the other? And the other one's Fournette. As crazy as that sounds, it's Fournette. <laughs> So the so Jerry Jones says you don't need a leading rusher to win. Um, I heard someone say, yeah, but when your team is built like yours, you do. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, 
So, uh, do you think Zeke will get the deal he wants, or will this backfire? I think that Zeke will get the de- get a deal. I don't know necessarily if it's the one he wants, because he's probably wanting like seventeen, twenty million or something like that. I don't like, know. Like fifteen, sixteen is. I would say he'll probably get the fifteen. $16 million, which is great for him, but I don't know when it'll happen. I think Jerry Jones is crazy for saying that you don't need the leading rusher. I mean, yes, you don't need it, because if you go back and look at, like, history. I mean, the past few, the past, especially, like, decade, it's all been running backs by committee. Yes. Receiving backs, and yes. it hasn't been a rushing dom. It's been a passing league. Yeah. But, like, you need, you have to have some kind of running game. Yeah. To make it to the Super Bowl and to compete in the Super Bowl. And with, so, with the quarterback, like, you need an above-average running game. Yes. Ezekiel Elliott informed the Cowboys in January that he would not play without mm-hmm. a new deal. Uh, so it sounds like the Cowboys have had a while to try and figure out what to do, and they haven't done it yet. And I could see Ezekiel being a guy who chooses to not play. Okay. Just period. So, the what? What do you think? I mean, how are the Cowboys? They've got all, all these players they have to pay. Um. So, we talked earlier how like the importance of the players. We kind of agreed and disagreed at the same time on that because you said Cooper was your first option, then Zeke. Yeah. Okay, but. I think that they're, they got they have to look at the big picture when paying everybody because if you don't, I mean, you're just going to pay one big guy the big huge contract and not have anything around him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think also Zeke needs to keep that in mind if he ever wants to win a Super Bowl is I can't make X amount of dollars if I want to win. Mm-hmm. If I want to lose, I can go to the Bills and I can make a million dollars. Well, well more, more than a million. More than a million dollars. To me, a lot their million's like a billion. <laughs> there we go. Make a billion dollars there. And that if that's what he wants, that's what he should do. But if he wants to win the Super Bowl and go down as like one of the best backs in history, you gotta keep in mind like, oh, Amari's deal's coming up, Dak's deal's coming up. We gotta make sure everything works together. So I mean if he were to hold out for the whole year, I'd be I'd be amazed because after like week two, the Cowboys are going to see they're terrible without a run game, and they're just going to pay him. So I think they're going to pay him within at least like three or three weeks into the season. Yeah, he hold if not before that. I mean, Zeke has verbalized that he doesn't really care. Like that's the Cowboys' business to deal with Dak. That's the Cowboys' business to deal with Amari. It's not his business to deal with their contracts. Mm-hmm. But he wants his contract. Yeah. I just pay everybody on that team except Dak, and I would get another quarterback next year in the draft, and it would at least be as good, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, the uh, I don't see how. Or I would try trading Zeke and getting a bunch of whatever for him mm-hmm. and then paying everybody. Because I just don't – I just think there's a lot of quarterbacks you could get <laughs> that would be just as good as Dak. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and so I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what the Cowboys decide to do. Um, I don't. I, I would pay everyone that team besides Dak <laughs> and just start over with another quarterback. Because yeah. <laughs> keeping Byron Jones, keeping Jalen Smith, keeping that defense, and then keeping Amari, and obviously I think you could pay Zeke the most of any running back because he's in that top, like we said with Michael Thomas, he's in that top three conversation. Mm-hmm. You can't make Amari the highest paid wide receiver, but you could make him like 10th. Like, yeah. he's, up, he's up there. And then you can't make Dak the highest paid quarterback. No. No. 28th. Yeah. I, Maybe lower. We'll see what they, they like. Uh, they like to spend money, so we'll see what happens. But this, this might be the Cowboys. If they sign Zeke, you know, this might be the Cowboys' last shot to go deep. Yeah. This. Moving into the NBA, a topic of conversation this week was LeBron James and him being at his son's basketball games. Um, some video came out of LeBron in the layup line doing self value dunks and be celebrating on the sideline and uh I think his son threw up an alley oop and it went down, like ran on the court, uh, just some stuff. And that was a big topic because a lot of people had problems with that. What was your takeaway from it, Casey? So, I mean, I don't have a son to like <laughs> celebrate that stuff, but like I get celebrating, like, oh, that's awesome. But I also think it's dumb that he ran onto the court and jumped up and high-fived his son or whatever the heck you do when you do that. I just don't... That's the only part that I didn't really like. Like, I'm all about support your kid. That's awesome. But, like, you ran on the court. That's a, That should be, like, a kick you out of the building. <laughs> if that had been me, I'd been kicked out of the building. That's the only problem I have with that. I'm like, support your kid. Awesome. Stay on the sideline because you're not playing. But that's it. I have a problem with it. I have a problem with people having a problem because, okay, was it over the top? Yes. yes. But are we really going to criticize LeBron James for being at his kids' basketball games and supporting them? And if you talk to the kids, it's not like they're embarrassed or that they don't like it or don't want him doing it. Like, they all love it. And I think LeBron, as someone who grew up without his dad, made a conscious decision that he wants to be whatever his dad wasn't to him mm-hmm. uh, with his kids. And so being there at the games, being very involved, being a role model for his friends, uh, or his kids' friends, you know, I just... It was over the top, but if here's the thing. If we jumped into the future, and one day we see Tom Brady throwing uh, balls pregame to kids on his son's team, would we have a problem with that? No, because that's the layup line thing. 
Now, if his son throws a touchdown and he runs on the field, how about that? People have a problem with the layup line. Yeah, you kind of. People have a problem with the layup line? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that I don't care about. People it's, had a problem with everything. People had a problem with everything. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't care about the layup line. The only thing I care about is, like, during the middle of the game, like, running out there and jumping over it. So, like, that's the only part I so, care about. So, so, let's put it this way, then. If Tom Brady's son scores a touchdown and, and Tom Brady goes out and meets him in the end zone and, starts celebra- and gives him a high five and celebrates. Eject him. <laughs> if I was a ref, I'd eject him because you want to know what? I'd ejected Tom Brady. <laughs> I just think there's there are a lot of people going, you know, if I did that, if my dad did that, well, your dad's not LeBron James. Okay? Yeah. Like, there's different things he can do. Um, I just, the criticism of LeBron is getting a little out of hand <laughs> when we start about he cheers at his son's basketball game. <laughs> yeah. Moving into the next point, so LeBron was also in the news on Friday thanks to David Griffin, his former general manager who's now the general manager of the Pelicans. Uh, David Griffin talked to Sports Illustrated and, and uh, was quoted in Sports Illustrated as saying that he was miserable during his time in Cleveland building around LeBron, which obviously is going to get some headlines because basically just said he was miserable having LeBron on his team and having to build around him. Yep. Um, And so the, he said the annual challenge of of building a title contender every year was just too stressful. He said, everything we did was so inorganic and unsustainable and frankly, not fun. I I was miserable. Literally the moment we won the championship, I knew I was going to leave. There was no way I was going to stay for any amount of money. I mean, I guess inorganic usually championship teams don't last forever because the if, yeah players leave. I mean, I don't. The uh, sources close to LeBron said they were shocked to hear that because you know LeBron and David Griffin had a pretty good relationship. LeBron went on Twitter and said, "All right, all right, enough is enough." The Throne has been played with too much, and I ain't for horseplay. So, in response to that, Kendrick Perkins uh, also tweeted, Would David Griffin have any credibility if he wasn't in the front office on the team? Griff, for the last two years, you praised LeBron for buying into the culture in Cleveland and how professional he was, and now you're saying it's inorganic. Your real problem was Dan Gilbert. And so, Kendrick Perkins, who was on that team, clearly coming to LeBron's defense. Like I said, they had a good relationship. and <laughs> said that some of his comments were taken out of context, and uh, James's people encouraged him to go out and clear up the comments then if they were t- taken out of context. Um, yeah. um, just because it's not a good look for LeBron. No. Um, but David Griffin also criticized LeBron's ability to win in Los Angeles. He said there wasn't a lot else for him after winning that one championship in Cleveland. I don't think he's the same animal about winning anymore. So that's a that's another thing. And then uh, David Griffin said he was so when they were building these teams in Cleveland. Um, so, I mean, the reason you play sports is to win. So yeah. I'm not sure why he's so miserable being, on, being in a situation where he can build a team that can win. Wait. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, that's literally like if he doesn't win, he gets fired. So, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I mean, LeBron before Griffin left Cleveland said it makes no sense why he shouldn't get an extension. He's pulled every move. He tried to make every move happen. He had to better this team to be able to compete for a championship. We wouldn't be in this position, obviously, without him and without the guys that are here, from the coaching staff to the players to David Griffin. He's a big piece of it. So LeBron was very much a fan of David Griffin. I remember when David Griffin wasn't brought back by Dan Gilbert. LeBron was not happy about it. Um, And so, I mean, a lot of the stuff that – he came out and said was just it was very strange um to hear you know back to the point of same animal after winning in cleveland well the next season he averaged 33 9 and 8 and set new career highs in rebounds and assists the next year he averaged 34 9 and 9 and set new highs in (laughs) rebounds and assists um so I don't know what exactly is there to criticize. Um, I mean, what what do you make of <laughs> all these comments? <laughs> so we're going to start at the very beginning of what you said. So you said he said uh, you said he said the annual challenge of building a title contender was too stressful. If it's too stressful. Why are you in that position? That's yeah, literally that's the point of that position. Exactly. Then why are you in it if it's too stressful? Go sub do something else. So that's from the begin from the get go. I just, I mean, I feel like he has no credibility for anything at this point because he says it's too stressful to build a title. What what do the Pelicans make of this? Hearing that he's too stressful if he's wanting if building championship teams are too stressful. Well, if he doesn't, want to be, he doesn't want to be competing for a title every year, it's too stressful. Apparently, or the other part is it was miserable building around LeBron. You have Zion, who everybody's calling the next LeBron, who they want you to build around. Who they want you to build around. This none of that makes sense. Like I think that they. The Pelicans should move on from David. But, yeah. Okay. Well, um, here's another thing. David Griffin also said that LeBron is getting all the credit and none of the blame – or back when he was playing uh, or he was under him. is LeBron's getting all the credit and none of the blame. That's not fun for people. They don't be, like being part of that world. Um, if Le- LeBron gets none of the blame, what – I mean – LeBron might be the most criticized athlete of all time. Yeah, he gets blamed all the time. If they lose, he's blamed. Yeah, LeBron getting none of the blame. Like, we literally just had a whole segment about LeBron cheering at his son's games because people had a problem with it. Like, there's yes. he gets criticized plenty. I saw, I mean, we we did a, I don't know, five, ten minute segment on it. Like, that's been a week-long recurring thing before this David Griffin interview. Mm-hmm. And no other athlete would get a week-long thing about how they're a sports, how they parent, how they're a sports parent. Like, the, like LeBron is the only person that would get that sort of criticism. Um, it's just, I, and getting all the credit... 
then why would people say, oh, well, Ray Allen made the shot. Oh, well, Kyrie made the shot. Like, mm-hmm. like LeBron's not the opposite. And, I mean, I guess a lot of there's a lot of people that think maybe that he gets all the credit and none of the blame, but those people I don't think have televisions or Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I, I don't know. Now, a source familiar with Griff said he was referring to the media machine around LeBron because uh, of how he's a celebrity and not that James himself creates the atmosphere that he gets all the credit, but the the media is what focuses in on LeBron or whatever. Um, in the past month, LeBron uh, David Griffin's wife's business because David Griffin asked, uh, so clearly LeBron hasn't had a problem with him recently. Yeah. Um, uh, Kyle Kuzma said that LeBron's longest offseason in a long time has given him time to refocus, regardless of what you see. He's in the gym all the time and working to get better in uh, reaction to the not the same animal winning. Um, now, on Friday afternoon, so this came out, I think, Thursday or Friday morning. Friday afternoon, David Griffin did come out on another show and to clarify what he meant. And he said he was talking about the media scrutiny and the noise and the way the media portrayed the Cavs team himself is what was miserable. And what was stressful was the media and the scrutiny that every move they made was under. Um, Now he also said that the article was supposed to be about the Pelicans and how, uh, the Pelican staff would use past failures to learn and build the Pelicans. And that Griffin was disappointed that it became uh, about these out of context quotes about this Pelicans team. But when you talk about LeBron, that's probably what the headline's going to be. Um, I mean, I can see why it would be stressful from the media standpoint of they want to know every little thing and they have a reaction to every little thing that the general manager does and um, whatnot. But I think it would be best for David Griffin to talk about (laughs) feelings towards the media or whatever, especially if he's criticizing the media to the media, then it's not a surprise that these quotes came out out of context. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that was just a big story. Griffin taking shots at LeBron after LeBron had already been criticized all week. Um, it seems like LeBron's always being criticized for something or other. And, and I'm not sure what to make of David Griffin. I think I'm kind of more on your side, I think. I mean, like if this guy – if a championships team dire- uh, demand attention, and yeah. so it doesn't matter what championship team you're on, people are going to be asking about it. They're going to be talking about you. They're going to be mm-hmm. discussing every move you make. So the stress will be there regardless of whether you have LeBron or not. Any closing thoughts? I mean, the Pelicans need to look at this guy and see if he's really what they want. Because if you're if you're if Zion becomes half of what LeBron is. Like, you have an amazing, amazing player and probably could go to the championship quite a few times, and if this guy can't handle it, then you need to to move on find someone else. That's it. (laughs) So we're going to transition back into the NFL. 
where the Hall of Fame inductions happened over the weekend. This Hall of Fame class consisted of uh, Tony Gonzalez, Champ Bailey, Ed Reed, Kevin Mawai. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't do enough research. Ty Law, Johnny Robinson, Pat Bolin, and Gil Brandt. The headliners were Tony Gonzalez, Champ Bailey, and Ed Reed. Ed Reed, Ed Reed was a guy. I kind of forgot about Ed Reed, but um, I thought he still played. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> there uh, I don't know if you had the same experience with Ed Reed. Got good. Ed Reed was like when I playing in the backyard. Like Ed Reed was a guy I pretended to be. Like Ed Reed, Ed Reed was a very good. I mean, obviously he's in the Hall of Fame, but he was like an iconic player to me. Like mm-hmm. there was there was few people that, especially as someone who wasn't a member of the Colts, who I. He was just a player that was one of those guys that made football enjoyable and fun. And, I mean, he was a ball hawk like no one has ever seen Mm -hmm. and was just an incredible player and very deservingly so in the Hall of Fame. And what actually took over... The headlines in social media was when they revealed his bust because his bust was so realistic for the Hall of Fame. But it was, I mean, everybody was talking about Ed Reed's bust for <laughs> for yeah. the Hall of Fame. Because most of the time those busts don't come out perfect. No. I mean, you can tell, I mean, you can tell who it is, but they're not like, I, I don't know. Yeah, perfect sculpture. Yeah, but like Ed Reed's was very, very, very good. I think someone was an Ed Reed fan. Yeah, and they spent some time. Definitely, and so that was the Hall of Fame class for the other year. Um, I mean, it's such a selective group. You had seven people, and only five of them were players. I think, or six of them. It's like five or six players, but then they have like a. Like a like contributor, like a film guy or a commentator or something, and then like a uh, coach mm-hmm. or yep. GM or something that go in. So uh, Tony Gonzalez obviously revolutionized the tight end position. Yes, uh, Champ Bailey was top corner for years and years and years and years. I remember he did say that. <laughs> He played with Deion Sanders, and uh, one thing he took from him is that he was stretching before a game, and Dion wasn't stretching. And uh, he asked Dion why he wasn't stretching, and Dion said, have you ever seen a cheetah stretch before it goes after its food? <laughs> and uh, he's like, so I took that with me, even though that wasn't probably the smartest thing. <laughs> but, I mean, it works for, worked for him. It worked for Dion. Or for from, Dion. Or from them both. They're both in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So, and then Ed Reed I talked about. I just, I love Ed Reed. So, um, now, it did come out that, so next year for the 100-year celebration of the NFL, mm-hmm. or the NFL Hall of Fame, they talked about potentially, for one year, expanding to 20 inductees, 
which would consist of five modern day players, ten seniors, three contributors, two coaches. And they said part of it would just be to have, you know, a you know, great big class. They said they it would help them maybe catch up on some guys who had been yep. left out. Because like, like I said, it's a very year so like guys that maybe missed the year before still don't get in because they've got new guys to compete with. I don't know. I mean, I think it was, what, six, seven hours of speeches for this year's Hall of Fame, and it was seven. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't imagine what 20 would be. <laughs> yeah. Um, they'd probably have to, like, put a time limit on them or something. But I think it's a great – I think they really should expand it for the one year because – Whereas I don't know as many people in the NFL, like seniors, I know like the people now, but like I know baseball and in baseball's Hall of Fame, like every year you're thinking, how's this guy not in the Hall of Fame yet? Like he should be there. And so like I'm assuming like with people who are older than me and know who these players are who haven't made it, like they're thinking the same thing. And so like this could be their final like, oh, bam, they're in there. Yeah. Um, some notable eligible players next year that will be uh, newly eligible are Troy Polamalu, Reggie Wayne, and Patrick Willis. Um, do you think any of those will be first ballot Hall of Famers? Uh, let's go without expanding to 20 inductees. If they don't expand to 20 and it's just the regular class, do you think any or all of them will be first ballot? I want to say that all three would be first ballot, but I'm trying to figure out who all is available. I think that Troy Palomalo will be first ballot. He'll make it, and then Reggie. I don't know how much, or if Patrick Willis will be on the first one. He might be in like a year or two. I I think Troy Palomalo for sure will be first ballot. Mm-hmm. I think Reggie Wayne for sure will be a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he'll be able to get in first ballot just because they typically make wide receivers wait. And I may be the Colts fan. We just want him to go in right away. But yeah, I I I would love it if he just went in. But yeah. I don't I don't know. They might save him for. I don't, I don't, if they expanded to twenty, I think Reggie Wayne would be a first ballot. Oh yeah, I think um, if they don't do that, then and they wait. Peyton will pull Reggie in with him. Probably. Um, Patrick Willis. I don't know because. Mm-hmm. He, I, I don't know. He was a great middle linebacker, but I don't think of him as one of the greats. I mean, I, mean, I think of him as being a great middle linebacker when he played. I, I don't think of him being with the Brian Erlackers and, and the Ray Lewises and that caliber of player. And especially because never really won any. Uh, so I don't think he'll be first ballot. I don't know if he'll be second or third ballot. I mean, I think he might have to wait a while um, mm-hmm. to be able to get in. But I think Troy Polamalu for sure will be a, a headliner next year for the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Most <laughs> definitely. Now, moving off of the Hall of Fame, training camps are going on. I visited one over the weekend. I visited the Colts training camp. I will say it's disappointing because Andrew Luck is not practicing. Um, but T.Y., 
looked really good. Good. Also, Rocky Sin looked very good. The new I rookie called, cornerback. I called that pick. Yeah. And uh, Dion Kane looked really good. Hoping he can stay healthy this year. Eric Ebron looked pretty good. Um, Mo Alley Cox looked really good. Mm, nice. <laughs> Afterwards, got most got almost got Ebron. He's a little bit of a tease. I was standing next to a kid with his jersey, so we came over to him, signed oh, his jersey, awesome. and then he went to the guy standing on the other side of me. Uh, and uh, I went with uh, my friend Ben so he went to the guy staying on the other side of us I should say Um, line as we kept holding our thing there for him to sign but did most of the offensive line was out there signing not Quentin Nelson but everybody else Um, Anthony Costanzo very friendly (laughs) and uh, nice conversation Kenny Moore was out there a while, but I didn't get him. But I've I've seen where he hangs out like until everybody's gone <laughs> to the signing stuff. But yeah, and uh, if you haven't been to a training camp, I know a I appreciate the Colts for not doing it. Um, but it's a good time. It's a good time. Due to technical difficulties, this will be where this episode ends. The next episode will pick up where it left off. Make sure to like Sports Shenanigans at Sports Shenanigans HM on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Sports Shenanigans. You can also send us an email at hmsshenanigans at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.